0: Hey, Dive listeners, this is Sam Carliner, your host of the show, and today we're doing an episode on Trump. We usually don't cover him because we like to, you know, cover less reported topics, but the dude is getting more cartoonishly evil. By the day, if you've been following the news cycle, you probably know, I hope you know if you've been following the news cycle, about his very unapologetic and very blatant attacks on the U.S. Postal Service. This is a topic that fortunately has risen to prominence. We really appreciate the pressure that people have been putting on politicians to address this and on news outlets to cover it, but we also wanted to do our part on covering it. So I have a little newscast which summarizes what's going on, and then I have a very exciting interview with two acquaintances of mine who work for the U.S. Postal Service in two different states, two different positions, and we talk about how the attacks on the post office have been impacting them, their communities, and what really all Americans will suffer from if this service ends up going out of business. But before we get to that, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, August 18, the day that it is released, I have a very exciting interview coming out on Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on 90.3 WMSC. This interview is with investigative journalist Greg Palast. He has covered a lot about voter purging, has a great book, How Trump Stole 2020, which looks at another way that Trump has been rigging the election even before the Postal Service scandal. It's really great conversation, really insightful, so I hope you check that out. You can listen on WMSCRadio.com, the iHeartRadio app, or if you're in the upper Montclair area, you can listen on your radio dial, 90.3. Again, it is Thursday at 5 p.m., Eastern Standard Time, and I really hope you tune in. It'll probably air on anchor later, but if you want to hear it first, WMS With that, let's get into this episode. Good afternoon. This is your captain speaking with just a little flight information. We're flying at an altitude of 37,000 feet, and our airspeed is 400 miles an hour. A couple little facts here. I'm packing a Colt King Cobra, that's a 357 caliber firearm, with a black rubber grip and a six-inch barrel, capable of piercing body armor
1: at a distance of up to 27 feet, and I can put a hole in human bone and flesh the size of the Grand Canyon, which, by the way, is coming up on the left-hand side of the plane. So just sit back and relax and enjoy the rest of the plane.
0: No, not you. Not you.
2: Your organization's terrible. Should I tell you? Should I tell you? Oh, you boy scout, but you know life. You know life. You know I'm totally off script right now.
0: The Trump administration has recently released plans openly declaring that its long-term aim was to privatize the USPS, enriching private investors by handing them a valuable public asset. Now Trump's postmaster general, Louis DeJoy, is under fire for internal changes that are hindering the USPS's ability to deliver mail efficiently, and Trump himself has implied that he is reluctant to fund the USPS due to his long-standing opposition to mail-in voting. DeJoy is a prototypical political crony appointee a Republican Party donor who never worked for the Postal Service and has financial interest in private delivery competitors to the USPS, such as Amazon. The Intercept discovered that when DeJoy was in the private sector, he had a long history of overseeing labor violations. DeJoy has admitted that his changes to the USPS have caused delays to service, though he insists it has been unintentional. Trump has targeted the USPS for years, threatening to jack up prices and treating it as in need of an overhaul, one that DeJoy is now ruthlessly implementing. The Postal Service has long been a target for Republicans, in part because a successful USPS is a threat to Republican ideology. After all, the conservative argument is that efficient public services are essentially impossible that most government functions should be handed over to the private sector. A popular socialized mail service threatens to severely undercut this case. There is also legal boundaries to Trump refusing to fund the USPS and threatening vote-by-mail ballots as U.S. Code 1703 clearly states Whoever, being a postal service officer or employee, unlawfully secretes, destroys, detains, delays, or opens any letter, postal card, package, bag, or mail entrusted to him, or which shall come into his possession, and which was intended to be conveyed by mail, or carried, or delivered by any carrier or other employee of the Postal Service, or forwarded through or delivered from any post office or station thereof established by authority of the Postmaster General or the Postal Service, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned, not more than five years or both. This is an unprecedented attack on freedom and democracy by President Trump. But there are many other ways that this will harm Americans, such as attacks on our food supply, attacks on people who need medication, particularly those Americans who live in rural parts of the country are at risk of an underfunding and eventual execution of the U.S. Postal Service. To talk more about this, I'm joined by... Two friends of mine who work for the U.S. Postal Service and who volunteered to take the time to explain what they're seeing. These guests are Phelan Atchison, a clerk who works for the U.S. Postal Service in Utah, and Shane Cirosi, a rural carrier in Delaware. I learned a lot, and I believe that our listeners will too. They have a lot to say about what they're seeing and what you can do to save the post office. Enjoy. Are you guys seeing an impact?
1: Yes. Yes, you can go first.
2: A couple of things that are super, super noticeable that, you know, you would have no idea if I wasn't sharing this because it's not as blatantly obvious as scooping up mailboxes off the streets or leaking a memo about removing high-speed processing machines. In in our facility, our equipment our networking has been just mysteriously, especially it's ramped up in the last week or so, but mysteriously going down. And when I talk to my colleagues who have been there far longer than I have, they have said they've never seen anything like this. And so what it means is there's, there's two different types of machines we use. One of them we exclusively use for the one zip code, the other we use exclusively for the other zip code. One is kind of its own, unit one requires a laptop, a Windows laptop to work. And our Windows laptop keeps going down. It won't reliably connect to the servers that it runs off of anymore. And it's not just an old laptop thing. It's all it's all networking based. It's, the laptop works fine, but it's randomly and mysteriously no longer able to connect to the network properly. It's randomly and mysteriously rebooting it's randomly and mysteriously installing new software upon boot. All of these things that from what I know of an IT perspective, which isn't much, is something a, a monitored network computer you would expect. If there needs to be new software, the IT administrators can do it remotely. If it needs to be shut down, the IT administrators can do it remotely. The problem is the behavior is bizarre. No, none of us have gotten a memo. None of us, as far as I know, have gotten anything. So the impact is we have an entire zip code worth of deliveries that we can't sort. And and what we're sorting is the last step between the last step the mail takes before it actually goes on the carrier truck to be delivered. So when we can't sort something that day, delivery generally speaking is pushed back at least one to two days. And depending on the, uh, the type of not being able to sort it, it can be pushed back as much as three days. So um, I know I've heard basically that, you know, Trump has ordered Postmaster DeJoy to slow down the mail. And this technical glitch that is manifesting and could be manufactured by an IT person uh, if they were ordered to, right, is slowing down the mail. And, you know, that's a problem for everyone. Um, I'm sure that Shane can probably speak to this more as a rural carrier, but something a lot of people don't realize is how much of our our food and our farmers rely on the post office. Everything from you know baby chickens to um, even sperm for artificial insemination of livestock to so many other types of parcels out there for rural America. It's really if it shows up even a day late, it's no good. I mean. With chicks, they can be dead if they show up a day late. With sperm, it's kind of the same thing. So our very source of food depends on the USPS. And now that we're being artificially forced to slow down, it's gonna affect supply chains like we haven't probably ever seen. And so that's probably the most obvious thing I've seen is this manufactured failure of our technology.
0: And yes, Shane, I know you're a, a rural carrier. What's been your side of things?
1: So, so yeah, it is it is true. We get we get things like like chicks and stuff. I have personally delivered chicks. We we also get other things like medications. Like people rely on the USPS to get their medications, and now people are being told that they should order their medications earlier because of the delays how this has affected me is either last week or two weeks ago i went i went in the work and i only had mail for one third of my route and i'm i'm like where's the rest of the mail like and everyone else is missing mail as well and they're like the truck uh forgot the mail and because of uh, the new postmaster's new rules the truck can't go back and get the rest of the mail so that day we just had to deliver what we had, and then we del- we delivered that the rest of that day's mail the next day with that day's mail.
0: I'm sure you guys can't necessarily generalize all of your customers, but like, has there been an understanding, uh, has there been a placing of proper blame or are workers taking the heat for this?
1: I haven't seen anything personally. But in, my, I don't think it's, it has not been as bad in my office as I've seen reported in other areas. In Philadelphia, I've heard areas in around the F- Philadelphia region, they haven't seen mail in weeks. And where in my office, that was just one day. So it, it's, of course, it's going to be varied based on location and region. Not
2: from a perspective of like our customers in the building, because I haven't yet been certified to be a retail clerk. Um, so, I don't really interact with the postal customers from that facing, but from the perspective of my anecdote, ad- anecdotes from my friends and family, I know a few friends who are getting increasingly frustrated at the post office because it's becoming less reliable, large packages aren't getting delivered, uh, or aren't getting delivered the way they should be, or have been in the past. And I can't help but wonder if those anecdotes of frustrations are coming from the new rules and regulations that we have to live under, if you will. And I also want to speak to something Shane said just real quick mm. about medication. Medication is is huge. There are you know so many mail-in pharmacies and, and that kind of thing. And I actually, before I worked for the post office, I worked for one of the, to my knowledge, more widely known national mail-in pharmacies called pillpack and we would use USPS for almost everything at PILPAC. And the things we didn't use USPS for, we used UPS, but UPS would hand the package over to USPS for the last leg delivery, meaning from the city center to the actual house. And I can tell you in my day-to-day work for the Postal Service, on a on a good day... A third to half of my packages are clearly clearly have medication bottles in them, and you know I sort anywhere from twelve hundred to three thousand packages a day.
0: Yeah, I mean I know there's now sort of the push to save the post office. I've seen people setting up pen pals, uh, trying to start letter chains. I, I I admittedly have messaged some people about becoming pen pals, but do you think that's enough to fix a specific effort to sabotage the post office like or should should we be demanding more from our leaders
2: yes we should be demanding more from our leaders the to my knowledge the single most important and simple legislative step would be to um repeal the postal accountability and i think enhancement act is what it's called Um, it was 2006 signed in a law by Bush, I believe. Um, yeah, Bush. And right. basically, basically- But no, he's
0: a hero now. He's friends with Ellen. It's okay.
2: <laughs> well, he may be a, a liberal hero now, but when he was president, he signed a law that required the Postal Service to pre-fund pensions for 70 years. If it weren't for that law, the Postal Service, a complete, which is already self-funding, and hasn't taken a dime of taxpayer money or federal funding since the 70s, would be turning at least a billion or two in profit every year, if not more. That law is the thing that's holding us down. In fact, when I went to postal service orientation, I can't remember the full breakdown, but one of the things that was cool is they said, they had us guess how much of every postal service system dollar is spent on what? And I don't remember the entire breakdown, but something that really stuck with me was that 13%—13 cents of every dollar received by the Postal Service goes to funding pensions. So if, if just think of it this way, the Postal Service is a not-for-profit, constitutionally mandated service. The service is every American, regardless of where they live, regardless of any status or or uh, characteristic about them and if it weren't for that 13% deficit artificially forced upon us by legislators back in 2006 we would be turning a profit and likely able to directly challenge the actual for-profit juggernauts that bill was signed to eventually justify killing the postal service or privatizing it so it's really important i think that people know the history of that bill and why it was why it exists and I'm not saying like we shouldn't have pensions. I would never say that. But pre-funding them for 70 years is an undue burden. It's something that the, you know, the American Postal Workers Union, the union that my career is a member or is, is formed around, it has been fighting to repeal. I don't know about the other three unions. I'm sure they have been too, because they probably recognize what it is. But yeah, that is, if, if anyone listening to this, that's, can take away one thing in one action would be to call senators and show up at their houses or whatever and demand that they repeal that act. You do that, the post office can be able to solve a lot of its problems on its own without any additional help. Maybe not all of them, but a lot of them.
1: Like you said, uh, we are, we are mandated by law to deliver to every home and business every single day that's that's something you can't get with any other private business and for the and for the price that we do it at the the price like the price of stamp has only gone up with the with inflation and that's why i can still get a, a stamp for and ship it and we ship everything for a flat rate i can ship something to new jersey for as much as I can send it to California. It's cheap, it's efficient, and for, and I know this is a, a left, left-wing show, it's, this is a model of universality and how universality can be done efficiently. I, I like
0: to think we're not inherently left-wing, but I am very honest with my viewers. I am very left-wing. <laughs> There's a lot of people, again, now talking about how Trump has literally admitted He's trying to sabotage mail-in voting being sort of what the part of the process of mail-in voting uh, in an unprecedented mail-in voting election. Is this a legitimate election? If the post office is not being funded properly, just just from your
1: perspectives. I mean, that's, that's a really tough question. Yeah. I don't think like, I don't think we'll, I don't, I don't think we'll know uh, until we see it. If, it's if it's going to be a, a valid election or not, but as, but as it's going right now, uh, it, it's not looking good because uh, the post office just warned I think 40, 46 states that they're not going to be able to deliver the ballots on time to be counted. So like like we're, we, we're looking at a constitutional crisis right now and, mm. and good sorry to add to that
2: i've read that the post office uh has warned i don't know how many states maybe all of them maybe only some but that they'd be, no longer be able to use their bulk mail permit which what, is,
0: what is that for listeners who don't know
2: uh basically it's a thing that businesses and, and organizations non-profits etc ad nauseum can apply for when they send a ton of mail uh to send it at bulk rates usually for uh a fraction of the cost of a regular staff. Um Depending on the type of organization and the volume, that's, I think it can go down to as low as 19 cents a letter, but I could be wrong about that number. What I do know is that states are accustomed to paying 20 cents a letter for ballots, or as 20 cents an envelope for sending out ballots. But under the new rules, they're not gonna be able to, which means they have to pay 50, the full 55 cents postage and if that's the case that's almost tripling the cost of holding election for states that's something to keep in mind unlike the federal government which has monetary sovereignty and can operate under monetary modern monetary theory under certain constraints state governments do have to tax in every dollar they spend so this is going to create an undue indirect burden on state budgets and possibly state taxpayers um, in the forms of sales taxes and other ways states have used to recoup their losses in a given year.
0: So you're telling me the small government party is fucking over small governments?
2: <laughs> Correct. Correct. Um, the small state governments and local municipalities, unlike the federal government that can just print money whenever it wants to within certain limits. Have to act like a household and bring in through taxing their citizens. States have to tax their citizens for every dollar they spend. So when you tri- nearly triple the cost of holding a mail-in election, on an election that's going to have unprecedented, unprecedented mail-in turnout, you're deliberately—it's a big—it's a big, you know, middle finger to states and so-called states' rights and so-called state sovereignty because you're creating an undue burden on states to do what they're supposed to do. And, um, and it's gonna cause an undue burden on the citizens of those states in the form of taxes and who knows what else.
1: Yeah, and it's on, it's on top of the fact that these states have been ravaged by the pandemic already. So, and now we're gonna charge them more to hold the, a fair election.
2: Hmm. So another thing, I, I know you said you asked if the election is legitimate i can't you know i'm not a u.n election monitor i wish we had those yeah
0: that's why i emphasize from from your perspective so we at news dive are not trying to claim that we can declare an election illegitimate or not. right
2: i would say there's definitely for those americans who see this election as illegitimate or see less trust in our electoral process now in determining a fair and accurate result of the will of the american people of who's going to be the next president i'd say they're probably justified i'm willing to say that mm. um and you mentioned uh some, if, if either of us had any other things to bring up i do have i well i'm a big data guy i like looking at the numbers i'm not great with math but i like looking at the numbers of things and trying to analyze based on that so if you'll allow it i have some statistics about the post service oh please do yeah that i think will be really uh illuminating for your viewers um probably for me if i'm being honest okay so all these numbers i'm about to give you are over the course of one day for the post office we can look do you at mind if, if i number- just
0: ask not not to like be like what's your source but like just so we know like what your source is
2: Yes, it's, these are actually USPS.com official numbers. Anyone can pull these up at Facts, F-A-C-T-S dot com. and then if you filter by one day, um, which is a little icon that says one day, you filter by that, you can find everything I'm about to read you. To. And then, I didn't
0: know that, so I appreciate that.
2: All right, yeah. Go so ahead. the Postal Service adds 4,221 addresses to its delivery network every day. Um, In addition, that's 181.9 million pieces of mail that are processed and delivered, first class mail specifically, in one day by the Post Office. On average, across the nation, the Postal Service processes 19.7 million mail pieces per hour, which works out to 327,838 pieces of mail each minute and 5,464 pieces of mail each second. For those who like looking at the digital side of things, our systems handle 3.5 million legitimate corporate emails or more per day. And for those who have recently moved or will be moving, especially in the face of an eviction crisis, um, this is really important. The Postal Service processes 118,152 address changes daily. For those who use them for traveling or vacation or just paying the bills, or whatever you may else you may use them for, the postal service actually issues 269,098 money orders daily, totaling uh, 80 million or more in the year of 2019. Um, brings in $890,000 in online sales alone from Snap and retail. Uh, sales at the postal store usps.com there are more than 75,000 letter carriers that drive to neighborhoods and then deliver the mail on foot and nearly 7,000 the exact number being 6,765 of those carriers are delivering that mail every day entirely on foot. 157.3 million dollars a day is paid to USPS employees and salaries and benefits. And for those who don't know, our pretty high wages, thanks to the strong unions, are only about a third of our overall compensation. The rest comes in our benefits. So we have really strong unions, really strong wages, and really strong benefits. So that's pretty awesome. Um, the I mentioned earlier the uh, nine, 181.9 million mail pieces that are first class mail. The total number of mail that the Postal Service processes and delivers each day is 472.1 million. Hmm. So we, we deliver almost in process nearly half a billion pieces of mail each and every day to every American household and business. Um, and the last number I want to leave with is, is zero tax dollars. Like I mentioned earlier, the Postal Service receives no tax dollars or federal funding for operating expenses and relies solely on the sale of postage products and services to fund its operations. Um, Which leads me to an interesting fact. Uh, The Senate went to recess until September and didn't reach a deal on COVID aid 2.0 in large part because president trump was as opposed to the paltry i think it was 25 million it might have been yes. 25 million was it 25 million chain yes yeah 25 million dollars in the entire bill uh was going to go to the post office that just help us out a little bit and if that had gone past and gone to the post office it would have been the first time in nearly 50 years since the Postal Service became the Postal Service and not the um, organization that preceded it, that we would have received the taxpayer
1: at all. It was actually 25 billion.
2: 25 billion, huge difference. I mean, that's a huge difference. So thank you for correcting me. Mm-hmm. So if that had passed or does pass, it'll be the first time in nearly 50 years that the Postal Service has taken a penny of taxpayer money from the federal government.
1: Yeah, uh, what, I'll, what I what would like to say is uh, I'd like to address some of the concerns that I've seen people have online. And the first issue I've seen come up is the idea that the post office wouldn't be able to handle mail-in voting. Under normal circumstances, the post office would have absolutely zero issue delivering mail-in ballots. To everyone and getting them in collected in time. The only thing that would prevent that is what the, Trump's new postmaster general is currently doing by purposely delaying the mail, destroying mail sorting machines, and, and, and he has so invested on.
0: interest too.
1: He, yes. Y- yes. yes,
0: do either of you I, want to go into that or should I? You can. The postmaster general has stock in amazon i believe let me look that up it was god i should have looked this up before saying it for yeah amazon stock he bought a bunch of amazon stock
2: uh before should also double check, i've heard but not confirmed that he has stock in ups so if someone can fact check that that would be great because that's that's huge if true yeah i mean even
0: just the amazon stock though uh
2: yeah, I mean, Jeff Bezos has a fleet of of, of, of carriers that uh, are mostly contractors for subcontractors, um, meaning they don't get benefits or don't get as good of benefits. They're not mandated the same kind of protections. They don't have a union. So if Postmaster or DeGoy or anyone succeeds at prioritizing the USPS and our resources get cannibalized by someone like Bezos, he's going to send that off to his contractors and subcontractors who themselves hire independent contractors to drive the trucks and will kill one of the last strongest bastions of union jobs in this country, as well as the second largest employer in this country. Um, And I wouldn't be surprised if a successful Amazon privatization of the USPS or any privatization of the U.S. Guests, lowered wages across the country, especially in related fields. The reason I'm, I'm saying that is because Amazon delivery drivers in my area make about $16 an hour. But depending on the exact rule, I'm sorry, $15 an hour, my bad but depending on the exact role you take with the USPS, entry level day one carriers from rural carriers to city carriers are gonna make at least um, in my specific locality, at least 18 and change. So if the strong union and goes away and we all get acts in favor of, of contractors, all of a sudden that competition to pay somewhat well so people don't go work for the USPS and get even better benefits is gone and so that will actually allow for the depressing of wages most likely
1: i'll just leave it as as if the post office gets privatized you're the one getting screwed the yes. only the only one that benefits from the post office being privatized are the Uh, the group of the few people who benefit from uh, uh, obtaining the assets of the post office. Hmm.
0: Well, I really appreciate both of you coming on to talk about this to help um, sound the alarms and also just talk about what you're both seeing, you know, being actually in the post office and yeah, I, typically you know let people plug any work they're doing um if there if there's any i don't know social media or projects up to you but if you want to plug them please go ahead
2: if anyone wants to check out the lighthouse tribune that is my news um and video blog site uh that i run with some friends lighthousetribune.com um i'm on twitter uh, at comrade Phelan. um let's see um, and for anyone interested in building an intentional community that's basically a farm with a bunch of like-minded people, you can DM me on Twitter. I'm trying to establish one. So those are my projects. Um, oh, and I do want to plug real quick. If you're in the salt, greater Salt Lake area by chance and you're hearing this, uh, the Democratic Socialists of Salt Lake general meeting on August 31st at 6.30 PM will be open to the public. And we will have Holly Hawkins and Angela Walker Green Party and Socialist Party of the USA uh, Party's uh, nominees for president and vice president in attendance. And that meeting will be open to the public if you would like to ask the presidential or vice presidential candidate questions and hear from them. That's all I've got. Oh, the Facebook page, Democratic Socialists of Salt Lake, or at SLCDSA on Twitter.
1: And all I got Is my Twitter at Shane Serosy underscore thirty five? That's at S H A N E S A R O S Y underscore three five. And I follow both of
0: them on Twitter, so I I can recommend ten out of ten would. All right, well, thank you. This has been News Dive, Uh, Phelan Shane. Thank you so much.
2: Of course, thank you.
0: That was an interview with postal workers Phelan Atchison and Shane Cerosi. I was so glad to have them on the show. If you liked what you heard, please do follow Newsdive Radio. We are at Newsdive Radio on Twitter and on Instagram. You can also find all of our episodes and future episodes on anchor.fm slash newsdive or search News Dive on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to get your podcasts from. Please share our content. We are an independent news outlet. We need all the support we can get. So if you want to help us grow our audience for our reporting, we would love that. You can also find bonus content, such as interviews with activists and news shows from journalists who aren't me, on our YouTube channel, News Dive Radio, I especially want to plug a new show that will be premiering this weekend, which is In Other News, hosted by Francis Churchill. Francis is a great journalist who I'm excited to have as part of the News Dive team. The news brief that I actually read uh, at the beginning of this episode was written by him, and on his show he's going to be covering underreported stories. Uh, I'm really excited for that, so please do subscribe to Newsdive Radio on YouTube for his work and more. Thank you. I'm Sam Carliner, and this has been Newsdive.